I'm Chris, and with me is Matt, and we're slowing down, talking to the people around us between the miles. Matt, my friend, I hope everything is going well. We've got such an incredible, and I, I think even moving, uh, interview uh, for, for our listeners today. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about the guests and, and why this is such a, a great conversation that we had. Yeah, so uh, Eric Jurgensen is um, having a tremendous impact, you know, with families and parents and, and resources really in the special needs space. Um, and I think our listeners are really going to take a lot away from someone who's experienced a lot in his life um, and yet turned it into uh, this kind of mission of service um, just based off of his own experiences. And, and so, you know, coming out of our Father's Day, you know, episode last week, it was a pretty unique perspective to talk to Erica, you know, about what fatherhood's meant to him as well. Yeah, yeah, that definitely laid an impression on me and, and uh, felt like this episode and uh, our previous one on Father's Day definitely worked well. And um, I just got to tell people, uh, didn't know what to expect going into the conversation. Uh, but blew away any expectations that I might have had. Um, and so, Matt, uh, let's not hold people back from meeting our guest, Eric. So for everyone listening, here's Eric Jurgensen. Eric, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you doing? Um, tremendous. I, uh, it's been really great, uh, you know, keeping up uh, with each other over, you know, all the years. Um, and... I, you know, I'm just so excited to have you on the show today. Um, I know that this is, you know, Chris's first time getting to meet you. Obviously, our audience's first time getting to meet you. So, Eric Jurgensen, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your backstory, who you are, before we get into what you do and and uh, talk a lot about, you know, current day stuff. Sure. So, I retired from the Navy back in 2012, and I, I had served 20 years in the service. You know, a little further back than that, I think many of many of those who joined the service joined to escape. I was certainly one of those. So I joined, I, I went to boot camp three days after I turned 18. And it was a good way for me to get out of a bad situation. And, I, you know, so I, I was retiring in 2012. I was supposed to retire in June of 2012. And what in the Navy, what they have is they have something called terminal leave, where they, it's the transition for you to get ready to become a civilian. And deprogram yourself after being institutionalized for 20 years and get ready to find a job and in integrate yourself into the civilian world. The, the day I was supposed to start terminal leave, that day I was going to drive to Connecticut because I had a house in Connecticut. I'm living in Maryland. My son's living with us in Maryland, my wife and I. I was going to drive to Connecticut for a job fair, so I had my truck packed. I was, I was getting ready to go. And something happened that evening where I, I came out of the bedroom. I don't really know what woke me up or whatever. Came out of the bedroom and I found my wife having an altered mental state. By the, um, by the time I got her to the hospital, she had had six strokes, lapsed into a coma, and then I took her off life support and she was buried in Connecticut the weekend of Easter, Easter weekend 2012. And, um, It'll, it'll stand out for a couple reasons. Obviously, uh, having a spouse die you know, because of a sudden illness like that is pretty traumatic. But what, um, what really made it memorable in a positive light was 
I had people in the service drive from Maryland to Connecticut to render her honors at the funeral. And, and that was not something they had to do. That was something they did of their own accord. It was just really powerful for me. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps now telling you about it nine years later. Uh, yeah, I'm so sorry. Were these um, people that you specifically served with? Were these just people that were in service? Like, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. So they were people that I served with a lot. I was I retired as a, as a chief petty officer. So uh, some of these were chiefs, you know, the, the command master chief, who is the highest enlisted rank for Waltree Naval, Naval Military Medical Center, which is where I retired from. It's a hospital. And then my um, the department head, you know, kind of like your um, chief operating officer, if you will, if you think of a corporation, you know, you know, it really um, he came up as well. So there was you know six people I served with that drove up, made the trip from Maryland to Connecticut. And then, um, you know, they, they rendered honors, meaning, you know, the, you, you, um, I'm sure you guys are familiar and your listeners are a little familiar. Well, rendering honors is um, carrying the casket and then, you know, honoring the dead at the cemetery and, and just being in a, on top of being there for me and, and supporting me. It was just really powerful. They'd never met her before, but they, they were willing to do that. It was a very, very powerful for me. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so that was really a, pos a positive that came out of a real big tragedy in my life, right? And the that led to, you know, a different type of positive. So my son is on the autism spectrum. When my wife died, he was 12 years old. And I don't know how many, how familiar your listeners are going to be with autism. My son also has an intellectual disability and some other disabilities, some other challenges. So when my wife died, he was relying on her for all of his activities of daily living. You know, he was still not toileting himself, not showering. Um, all of that was on, fell on my wife. She was a primary caregiver. We moved to Maryland because prior to me moving to Maryland, I'd been a geographical bachelor for five years. So I lived in Virginia for three years while my wife lived in Connecticut. And then I lived in Cuba, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba for two years. And over those five years, if I wasn't deployed on an aircraft carrier out of Virginia, I would come home every three or four months for two or three weeks, try to be a part-time dad and then be gone again. So I didn't know really what it meant to be a dad or a caregiver, right? I mean, I'd, I'd had, you know, we, we moved to Maryland in 2010 and my wife died in 2012. So it's still really trying to get to know her, rekindle, you know, rebuild the relationship and just really figure out where I fit since my wife's full-time caregiver. Well, when I lost her as a full-time caregiver, I was, I was lost. I'm like, I, I have no idea what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to turn to. And I looked for help and I couldn't find any. I eventually found the Ark of Montgomery County who, who was able to provide a place for my son to go after school because, you know, try to imagine finding a babysitter for a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old, right? In, in a summer program for a ch child who needs full-time support. Um, and it was frustrating that I couldn't find answers. It was, it was, why is this so hard? Why am I hitting so many brick walls? Or why am I getting so many conflicting answers when I ask for things? I'm getting different answers, to, you know, or people just don't know, or they're not willing to they're not willing to say, okay, Eric, this is what you have to do. I mean, I didn't want somebody giving me more options. I wanted somebody to just take my hand and say, here's what you have to do. Couldn't find it. And that led to me when I retired from the Navy, 
deciding I wanted to be a financial advisor because I thought financial advisors gave advice. I didn't really think further than that. I didn't think about managing money, selling insurance. I just thought I'm going to give advice. How hard can it be? <laughs> yeah. Well, and Eric, real quick before you head into that, and I'm sure Chris has some follow-ups, but so what I don't think I realized, because we that's where we met, but right. I don't know if I realized that it, it, everything that had just, that you just described to our listeners that had just transpired was so new to your life around the time that we met. Yes. I, my wife died in April and I started with the company that you and I were at in October. Huh? And I retired from the Navy in December. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So first, Eric, I, I just want to thank you for sharing all that. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's always amazing, uh, for me to hear how people, uh, manage through those situations or emerge through those situations. And, um, you know, again, it's like, uh, for 20 years, one of the phrases that really stuck out to me was like, you said, <laughs> they help you in the Navy, they help you go from being institutionalized, right. For, for 20 years, which has so many connotations to that. Right. But, um, to emerge and then, yeah, it's kind of like, all right, yeah. Financial planning, I'm going to do that or financial advising. I, I'm, you know, um, you know, tell, tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, why you thought giving advice financially was kind of where you were being led or where you wanted to go. Like, even though it turned out not to be that, tell us a little bit more about like what was inspiring that direction. That's a great question. That's a great question, Chris. It was when my wife died, uh, we didn't have any real life insurance. The Navy gave me $400,000 and it gave my wife $100,000. As I mentioned, we were living in Maryland and we were gonna move back to Connecticut. Well, I was paying a mortgage in Connecticut and I was renting a house in Silver Spring, Maryland. Neither of those places are low cost areas. Um, so when I retired, I ended up keeping that house for about, I wasn't able to sell the house in Connecticut for about a year after my wife died because there was all of our stuff was in it. I, I couldn't really come to terms with going up and emptying it out and imagine the house being empty for three years and all the things that might possibly go wrong. A few of those happened. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had to do some repairs. I ended up selling, I ended up just taking a, a cash only sale just so I could get rid of it and, you know, not making anything, but not paying anything, you know, but it was like, it sucked. Right. If, if I, if my wife and I had done some planning, if anybody had talked to us and said, not only should you be doing planning because you're married, but you have a child with a disability and there's a whole nother layer of complexity that you really need to plan for this. Let's get you some life. And it's not all about the life insurance, but that would have been one less thing off my plate where I could have covered the mortgage and, and not worried about how am I going to float rent in Silver Spring and a mortgage in Connecticut on a retirement paycheck off of a pension, you know, and that was really what led it is there's got to be other, there's got to be people out there like me who aren't doing planning, are overwhelmed, and there, and there are. It's just that wasn't really, that ended up not being my true calling, but, you know, and there are people out there who are, do, are helping families like that, and I, and I appreciate them, but that's what led to the financial advice. Yeah, and, and Eric, you know, when you got into it, do you feel like the net, because of what you were coming out of and all that you had experienced, do you think that the net was maybe like a little bit too wide and like, I just want to go out and help people 
right? Like there was no specificity to it. Like talk to us about that. Cause I'm, I'm not trying to make an overgeneralization or lead you down any type of path. But as I heard that, that, that kind of, you know, that kind of clicked for me. You're, you're exactly right, Matt. I was, and I think you might remember this, but I was so angry, mm. uh, angry at myself, angry at the world, angry at my situation. And I wanted to, I wanted to save the world. I mean, it, it, I didn't think about who, I just didn't want anybody else to feel the pain I was feeling. I couldn't put, if you had asked me this nine years ago, I could never have communicated this. Um, it's taken me a, nine years of work to get to where I am now. Back then it was just angry and I wasn't willing to admit I was angry. Um, and, and then trying to channel that anger into something constructive and, and keeping anybody else from making similar mistakes. Does, it, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, maybe uh, share it with us a little bit of like what helped you get to this point where you could articulate like what you feel, you know, because um, yeah, uh, nine years ago, I can't imagine what what you're processing, what you're going through. But um, uh, tell us a little bit, what are some of the things or people or situations that helped you get to, to where you are today to be able to talk about this? Sure. It, it started with the company that Matt and I were at. They had a, I feel they had a fantastic training program. I feel that they did a lot to teach us on how to be business owners, even though it may not have been what I wanted to do. They're really teaching me how to run a business. And that got me really interested in the business side of it. And they also forced you because of the way that you run the business, they force you to be honest with yourself, right? Because the numbers don't lie. You know, you can say you're doing all this work, that, but, it, but the numbers don't lie. And it forces you to start doing introspection. And speaking for myself, Chris, I can't, I'm not good at just saying, I'm only going to look at this one piece of myself. Once I started doing introspection in one part of my life, it, it just opened the door to all these other things. And I would end up going out on two or three hour hikes out in the woods because that's my sanctuary. And I would, I would be out in the woods and, and I, sometimes I probably looked like a raving madman because I would talk to myself, but it, it really helped. And then as I, got, as I got further along, I ended up hiring a business coach and stuff. But in the beginning, it was really, it was really me, the woods, um, just talking things out in the woods and, and then talking sometimes constructively, sometimes not so much at the, at the, you know, at, at the programs that we had monthly with the, with the company that Matt and I were at. And Matt can tell you some of those, I was just a straight up jerk and, and, you know, there was no excuse for it, but people called me on it, which is what I needed, you know, not letting me just get a free pass, which I, I feel like sometimes people do. Yeah. Well, Eric, you know, I remember those conversations and, and as someone who was in the room, you know, I, I don't know that I thought like, you know, Eric's a jerk. I mean, cause dude, we, we crossed, we crossed paths, right. Even though we were in different offices in between those meetings, we would cross paths. And every time we got together, right. There was, there was this connection where we could just kind of pick up from where the last conversation left off. And so, you know, from the perspective of someone else, you know, that might've just been something that you were feeling in the moment and like projecting out of like this introspection, but I don't know that everyone received it that way. I, I and what's unique about you talking about that is it was also where I believe without knowing you that well prior to, right. But getting to know you even better since 
kind of where, you know, a lot of what you're doing today, where the vision started to, to take birth. Do you, you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely, Matt. And, and thank you. And, and thank you for, um, you know, letting me know how you perceived it. I, as, as I, as I was doing these meetings, I, I started getting clear on the fact of who I want to help. You know, the, you know, um, people might, you might've heard niches are, in, you know, riches are in the niches or whatever. And I wanted, I, I started really learning that my passion is, is really helping families who have children with disabilities and they're trying to plan for that. And what I, I didn't want to sell product. I didn't want to manage money. So I, I try, I, I mean, that's where I started jumping companies, trying to be, okay, it's not working here. Let me go to a fee-only company where I'm only charging a flat fee for advice. And that taught me some good things about, you know, that kind of business model. But again, I wasn't really doing what I wanted to do. And it kept, every time I bounced companies, and I think I changed companies four or five times over the last, you know, seven, eight years, I got closer and closer to identifying what am I really trying to do? And the answer is, I want to solve the problem that nobody else is solving. I want to connect the dots. I don't want to fit into somebody else's mold because what I see is broken. Nobody else is doing. I want to help families, not just, you know, plan for their financial future and not just get their estate plan done, but I want them to really understand how all that crap works together, why it's important, you know, and what about the things that nobody's talking about? It's still important, you know, and, and how do you figure out what the priority is? If everything's important, nothing is important. Right. And you end up with this analysis paralysis. You know, it, it really makes me think, and, and it's funny because I feel like I probably just saw this on a, a silly TV show recently. Right. So like, you know, sometimes we have, you know, people have these wisdom bombs and all these things that, that come about, but sometimes it's just really good writers on, you know, something that you come across. And, uh, and, you know, it makes me think about, you know, if this doesn't exist, maybe I've got to have the courage to go create it. And you were always a gatherer of knowledge. So like, when did the light bulb go off? Like how many companies did it take for you to like jump around to finally realize like, okay, I've got to have the courage to go create this. Courage is the right word, Matt. I, I've, I've always been scared of going out on my own and creating something. Because who am I? I'm some dude that got through high school doing the bare minimum, joined the Navy because I didn't want to go to college, right? So, so who am I to create something? I mean, that was my framework. And then last year, um, and I think you know this, Matt, but last year I had cancer and they removed my face. I mean, they literally cut from the bottom of my left ear to the bottom of my left lip and took everything above that off because I had a stage two melanoma that was so aggressive. The VA doctors told me, we don't think we can treat you because we're not sure you'll get treated in time. Uh, so we think you should go to your other, you know, we, we think you should go to Hopkins, who's your other insurance company to, to see if they can treat you sooner. That was my wake up call. Um, it was as I was recovering, waiting to hear results from the lymph nodes test to see if the cancer had spread beyond my, you know, into other parts of my system. It didn't, I didn't need, I didn't need chemo. I didn't need radiation. I dodged a bullet, but it was during that recovery time um, that I'm like, you know, what, what am I doing? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy. 
you know, and because I'm not happy, it's bleeding over into my personal relationships with my son, with my girlfriend, and that's not fair to them. You know, I'm never really going to be happy until I do what I think needs to be done until I, until I either start a company and it's successful or it fails, but at least I know I've tried. And that's, that's where it was, Matt, where I finally said, you know what, I just need to do this. And I'm still not sure if it was courage or just the fact I thought I was, I, I, I didn't think anybody else would hire me, but, <laughs> but that's, that's what led to me starting special needs navigator and incorporating it last year it really was the cancer. The cancer was the final straw that broke the camel's back as it were. So Eric, as you've uh, embarked on this journey, um, what has been the response? Like, uh, you know, because uh, as someone who started his own business and everything, right, I, I, some of the things you were sharing, uh, you know, is anyone going to, you know, care about, like, am I worthy enough, right? The whole, um, what's it called? Uh, the pretender syndrome, right? Where imposter uh, syndrome, imposter right? syndrome, yeah. And, uh, and so what, what was, what was the initial response? What has the response been like? Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the community that's been growing around you. It's, it's been incredible, Chris. It's, it's, and I still have a little bit of the imposter syndrome, right? Um, but it's been incredible. You know, I, I was Christopher Lockhead, this, this, you know, top 10 Apple podcaster brought me on his podcast because he heard about what I was doing. You know, um, I have people all over the country, literally all over the country, reaching out to me and asking for advice. I've done phone calls with people in England and in Brazil. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing, right? I mean, and it's, it's probably dangerous for my ego, <laughs> but, you know, it, but people are saying, hey, we can't believe this is really needed. Every, you know, can't believe nobody else is doing this. I've had people reach out and say they want to be part of my company when I'm ready to start hiring people. It's just, it's been overwhelming, candidly. It, it's really just been like, holy crap. Well, you know, I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, it makes me often wonder what, what makes an expert an expert, right? And so, you know, um, and I don't know if this is with you, but with me, I know part of the reason I dealt with imposter syndrome for a long time was because I just didn't have the education, like the, the credentials um, outside of experience, right? Like, and so... Sometimes I think, though, we devalue experience because you can't necessarily uh, uh, qualify it on paper, right? Um, but the fact that you have this story, you're sharing the story and living the story, like, yes, it's not theoretical, it's practical experience. And I think that's so valuable there. So, um, and that's what I'm hearing as, as you're sharing. The reason people are reaching out to you is because your story is real. You know, it's not like you, you talked about the numbers don't lie. But then at the same time, your experience is true, right? And so I think there's a, a beauty in that, um, in that regard. So yeah, there's just something that resonated with me. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Eric, you know, one thing, you know, I think that we probably started to learn, you know, and I, I feel like we've been so vague about, it, right? So I, I, I don't mind sharing, right? Like Eric and I met at Northwestern Mutual. We were both financial advisors at the time. Uh, and, and I have the same fondness and, and, and takeaways of what the gifts that that company gave me from the infrastructure, from the lifelong learning, from going into a room to have these monthly you know, business meetings and being vulnerable, authentic, open to feedback, all these different things, right? That at the time when you're in the thick of it, you don't realize the gifts 
right? Until you get a chance to like step outside and look back in. And, uh, you know, my time there, you know, has really shaped the person that I've become as well, right? So one thing that is still a journey that I'm on and, and learning and, and why we're here today is this art of connection, right? So you started to talk about, you know, we started with, wow, I wanted to save the world to I am the special needs navigator and people from around the world have sought me out, right? So can you talk about that art of connection um, as it's shown up in your world over the last year or nine years or whatever that might look like for our listeners who maybe are on the precipice of something great as well, but right, they're missing the who, not the how. I'll, I'll try, Matt. It's, it's never something, it's not something I've ever articulated before. So bear with me if it's ugly and messy. Um, when I left the Navy, I didn't even know what networking was. In the Navy, it's not something that we talk about. I was on submarines for you know, most of my career. And then, then I ended up going to an aircraft carrier. And we, we, we have a network, but we don't call it a network, right? I mean, especially when you're, once you become a chief petty officer, you're in this brotherhood, an even tighter brotherhood. So the submarine community is a small brotherhood. And then to be a chief petty officer within the submarine community is an even smaller sub, you know, it's even a smaller and tighter family. All that to say, when, when I left, when I left the Navy and Northwestern Mutual saying, go out and develop centers of influence. I'm like, okay, what's the center of influence? I mean, I literally had to ask that because I'd never heard it before. And they're like, well, you just talk to attorneys and accountants. And, and so I think I did what many of us do when we first get told we have to go network. And I just started throwing business cards at people, right? I mean, because, hey, that's networking. And I, in return, I started collecting business cards. And my curiosity started getting the best of me. I'm like, well, I don't want to just have a business card. I want to know what this person really does. And that turned into, I bet I can help this person with what they're trying to do. In the Navy, you know, on submarines, we're so, we're so undermanned that you're never just doing your job. You know, and, and everybody has to work together to make the mission successful. So just because I might be an electrician, that doesn't mean I'm not working with a mechanic to help them get their job done. If, I, if, if that means we can go home earlier because we, all we can all chip in and we can bring something to the table, let's do that. Um, and I took that part of the Navy out to the civilian world. And I, you know, I, I didn't know any better. I didn't know maybe I wasn't supposed to do that. I'm just like, well, if I can help you, why wouldn't I, right? And that has really paid dividends. So I have formalized that over the last nine years to if I'm going to have a conversation with somebody, I am going to make sure that I am adding value in every single conversation I have. And that is either by connecting somebody to somebody else that can help them with their mission or giving them a resource that I think might help. And it's not just when I connect with them. You know, this morning I sent a, I sent a couple people, a couple music therapists, an, an article I came across because I thought it might be relevant to their profession. It's the same thing, right? I always want to bring value to people because that's just the way it should be. I mean, that's what communities should be all about is it shouldn't be all give me, give me, give me. It should be, how can I help you? And knowing that if you build the right community, it's going to come back to you in spades. Does, does that answer what you were looking for? Yeah. So here's, here's, 
where I love where you went with that, right? Um, is I think it goes back to where we started, which is when we try to connect with everyone, we connect with no one, right? Because uh, there's typically ulterior motive, right? When, when you go to an event and you're like, oh, here's my business card. Here's my business card. Oh, we should grab lunch or coffee or whatever it is. There's this ulterior motive behind that. And it's, it's unintentional and it really isn't like people don't realize they're doing it. They're like sleepwalking through that. Right. Yeah. And so they get to this, when you get to the point of finding communities and like tribes, we could even call them, yes. right. Cause you alluded to the petty, you know, the, the petty officer brotherhood. That's where I think it really takes off. You know, there's, there's all this learning about yourself and all these things so that you can open up to learning about others. And it's that connection. How can I help as many people get what they need? And in turn, I'll probably, and in turn, I'm probably going to trip into what, right. What I'm, how I'm looking to serve. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I love what you guys are talking about. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I was just thinking about the whole business card thing and um, it's a whole nother kind of tangent we could go on uh, there. But, um, you know, Eric, uh, you, you mentioned how uh, being in the Navy, working on submarines, you know, it was kind of like, hey, if I can help you do your job for the better of the mission, right? Like, th then I'm going to do that. And, you know, I know this is such a general general statement, but like, we're not really seeing that a lot happen these days, right? Why do you think that is? Why do you think, especially, you know, in a crisis like the pandemic and, and but even before the pandemic and now emerging from that, like, you know, that was something that was taught to you or really influenced you through your experience with the Navy. But what, what, first, why? And then secondly, like, what can we do to like turn that around? Wow. Lead with a softball question, Chris. <laughs> um, Sorry that, you know, Matt's here to make you feel all warm and fuzzy. And then, you know, but no, I think you can handle it. I mean, man, no, you it's keep a on great sharing question. truth. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic question. And it, it, the answer, you know, I can tell you the answer because it's something I've, I, I live my life around. I don't have, I don't have a cable TV subscription. I don't watch, I don't watch TV. I don't watch the news. Um, this may get some angry listener mail, but I think the media, I don't care which, which side of the line you're on. I think the media creates divisiveness because they're trying to get clicks or views. I mean, social media, same thing. The, the, the algorithms are all designed to, to get views, watch YouTube sometime and see just how deep of a hole it'll take you on. All of this content that's designed to keep our interest is working against us because if we're interested in something, that means it's something we already know about, which means we're almost in an echo chamber and it's reinforcing beliefs we hold instead of challenging beliefs, giving us the opportunity to see how other people think and exploring what they're thinking in a logical, um, I mean, emotion is always going to be a part of it, but in a, mod, in a logical, somewhat open-minded perspective to say, okay, I don't agree with everything they're saying, but I can see why they believe that. And that makes them more human instead of you're just wrong. And now we're demonizing them. 
and and that's you know your your opinion's wrong so i'm just going to go against that because none of what you're saying aligns with my preconceived beliefs and i believe in my personal opinion that if people would just turn the freaking tv off and get outside and talk to each other or um and i'm guilty of this i don't know my own neighbor's names as much as i network i once i'm home i'm a hermit you know so i'm guilty of this but i i I don't watch the news. I, I really, I try not to get into political conversations unless it's about a specific bill or a specific topic. I don't want to get into party demographics. I don't want to get into Republican or Democrat. That is pointless. I mean, it's, it's like saying the bets are better than the Yankees. They're just teams. You're not, you're not addressing the players on the team. You're not addressing what makes the team great. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you're, you, you just brought something up for Chris and I because we grew up as Yankee fans, right? And we grew up legitimately in the, net, in the Mets-Yankees uh, dynamic. So it's just kind of funny that you brought it full circle there for a second unintentionally. And, you know, your, your comments made me think of a couple things, you know, whether it's directly or indirectly applicable. And that's, you know, how often do we give ourselves permission to lean into the discomfort to go beyond just surface level. You know, I, I, I can reflect back on so many scenarios where I'd be at a wedding or a Northwestern Mutual event or a networking event or whatever. And it was like, I would hit like a, a two minute timer maybe, right? Like I'd make the person feel really good about themselves before bouncing to the next conversation. And there's just no connection there. Like the person might think like, oh, that guy's a really nice guy or whatever it is, but they know nothing about me. I know nothing about them, right? And at the end of the day, uh, are we really connecting in that scenario? And then you bring it all the way back to, you know, here we were in this, you know, day-to-day life, then throw a pandemic into it, right? Like I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't watch the news, right? I, I'd rather have a conversation with you or Chris or, or someone else. And, you know, if we have a difference of opinion, I'll be honest, I'm probably going to be uncomfortable but if I don't lean into that, I'll never learn and I'll never grow into, you know, the, the person or the father, whoever that I'm trying to become. So I, I just love those comments and, and really took a lot away from them. So I appreciate you sharing. You're welcome. So let's, uh, let, let, if you don't mind, I, I want to kind of uh, turn the conversation and, and I, I want to know more about your son, right. And, uh, and parenting, right. I mean, uh, we're, everyone here are our parents and we know the challenges, but, um, you know, to have to single parent, to have to parent, um, with a child with, with special needs, you know, um, tell us a little bit about your son and, uh, just the relation, you know, you talked about how you were part-time parenting, I think, or part-time fathering. You, you said while you were in the Navy, tell us a little bit about how that changed or grew, um, you know, after you came back home. Sure. So I, um, I, I'm not sure that I'm going to fit the ideal father of the year model. Um, since my wife died, my focus has been getting my son to be able to live as independently as possible. And sometimes that meant both of us being, to use Matt's word, very uncomfortable. Um, you know, right now he's going to be 22 in September and we live like roommates. I don't see him. He's in his room until I go to bed. He comes out for meals uh, that he makes himself, but we don't, we don't talk. 
some of that's his autism. He, he communicates, he's more comfortable communicating via text. He discovered text messaging, uh, with, with the autism for those people that aren't familiar and every, every individual is going to be different, but with my son, the, the processing required to look at somebody's face, monitor visual cues, listen to vocal tonations and take all of that in. If you think about it as if you were trying to do each of those as an independent task that you have to focus on and how much brain power that would require. Um, you can see why my son would feel more comfortable using a text message where he can control the pace of the conversation. Um, he can control how long it takes him to decode without judgment. You know, when, when you, when somebody's talking to you, um, so, you know, that's how he, that's what we're doing right now. I'm working on getting, I'm working on hiring supports to help him get around the community and maintain a household because my plan is next year to move to Florida with my girlfriend and let him live in the house up here in Frederick, Maryland by himself, which is doable. You know, he's gotten to the point now. Uh, he, so when he was younger, he was nonverbal, meaning he used American sign language or the picture exchange card system to communicate PECs. And he wrote and gave a speech for his at graduation when he when he graduated this in, in last month. And it's on my YouTube channel. I'm super proud of him. I think it's amazing. But he's really starting to assert his independence. He wants, he doesn't want dad around, which is age appropriate, 21, 22. He a year or two, about two years ago, he said he didn't want to take a yellow school bus anymore because that's for kids. So he taught himself how to use public transportation. And again, that's a really big deal for you know an individual with disabilities to be able to have not only advocate that they want to do something, but have that independence to go do it. So he'll go on the bus pre-COVID and just ride it. I, I have no idea where he was. He'd be gone for a couple hours, no idea where he is, but he's happy. And again, it's age appropriate, right? Why not let him go out for a couple hours by himself? I don't need to be a nervous Nelly hovering over him. Um, and that's another bias and, and a whole nother rabbit hole I won't go down because I, I, I do think hover parents are like the worst thing ever. But, um, you know, it, it's it's when he was younger, I didn't know how to connect with him. You know, I, I, I'd, I'd had 12 years where I wasn't really around that much, you know, because when I was active duty military, if I, I was deployed a lot on submarines, we were gone, I don't know, 50, 60 percent of the year. Um, not counting days I'm on duty or working weekends or whatever. Uh, so I just wasn't around. So what the hell do I, what the heck do I know about a, a 12 or a 13 year old, you know, in puberty, right? So we, we tried um, him doing, him giving me the laundry was messy. Um, getting, you know, I, I've worked with somebody to teach him to cook. So we would, you know, because I'm not a very patient person and I don't like cooking and <laughs> all other reasons, right? So he knows how to make his own meals now. And, and I focus on a lot of his independent living skills because that's what I was focused on as he was growing, growing up and getting older. I don't have a more, you know, what I've heard you and, you and Matt talk about, you know, like a daddy dates or, or going out and doing stuff. I, I don't have a lot of those. I mean, I would take him to the park, but at 13, 14, even then he's really at an age where he's more interested in, in computers or video games or whatever, you know, and, and I, um, I missed a lot of the early years. Does, does that make sense? I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, what you're sharing 
I think is uh, there are a couple of things that I think are so key to point out because it's not just applicable to your situation or people, but to all parenting. And the first thing is there are things that you recognize that you were not effective as or good at as a parent and you outsourced. And so, you know, and I'm serious about that. Like I'm a youth minister, you know, by day, a business owner by night. Right. And, um, one of the things that we talk about all the time in youth ministry is that, um, and we see this effectively, is when you surround your children with other adults who can like pour into them and give them the skills and the support necessary, right? Like you mentioned the cooking, you know, and it, not being a patient person, not enjoying cooking. So it's going to be very hard for you to teach that even, you know, to any kid or, or to anyone, right? If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to share it, Right. And so I think that's so key that you are relying and connecting on other people so that your son can be independent, so that your son can be the man who, you know, um, he's destined to be. And so I I applaud that. And I think that's a a huge parent principle. The other thing that um, I think is really important, and and as you were talking, this this resonated with me, is I don't, you know, I like, I recognize in myself that I'm connecting with my kids at different ages better than I did at other ages. And so part of the reason why I think I'm um, starting to connect with my older son a little bit better than maybe a few years ago is because of my, you know, my profession as a youth minister, I understand I'm one of the few that understand a middle school mind. Right. And so it doesn't intimidate me or freak me out or things like that. It doesn't mean I'm a great parent right now, but like, um, but when they were small kids and they wanted to like, hey, dad, get on the floor and play Legos with us. I was like, oh, OK, because <laughs> I'm supposed to. Um, and you, no, don't get me wrong. Right. Love my kids. But it was like, oh, but now it's yep. like, hey, you want to play video games? You want to like go yep. through the baseball round? You want to just, you know, beat the crap out of each other? Let's go do that. You know, um, so. So I think we have to also, as parents, give ourselves permission to be like, hey, at certain ages, we're going to be better than others. Yeah. You know, what's interesting too, and, and Eric, you allude to this and, and I, I hope you're kind of feeling this way right now is, you know, Chris has got like one of those three seasons rooms off his back deck and, and I'm like envisioning the three of us just having this conversation right now in that room. And as you were talking, you know, I was actually thinking about, uh, you know, you having to insert yourself in the life of a 12, 13 year old. And what that must be like for, you know, like step parents out there and people that, you know, were kind of off, whether they were in the periphery or whatever it was prior or weren't even in existence yet. And the transition that must be like and feel like. And I think, you know, just the way that you described it to us, it, it really encapsulated, um, you know, probably so many things for so many different people. Yeah. And, and whether you have dad daughter dates or, you know, beating the crap out of each other. Like Chris is talking about. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Well, I might have to edit that out. <laughs> I do not beat the crap out of my sons, by the way. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Uh, and I'm sorry. Uh, so, so, uh, you know, I, I'll just say this. It also shows a character trait that you have, which is this like strong ability to reflect upon what you've learned you know say no to the things that that maybe don't serve in the moment i think chris captured it great is outsourcing what you didn't know 
how often, you know, does pride and ego get in the way of that, but, but you do such a tremendous job of taking everything that you've learned, right. Applying it to today while like leaving everything else in the rear view. And so where, where I'm going with this is, you know, special needs navigator is, is starting to take off, right. It, 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 the plane's off the runway, maybe not at, at altitude or where it needs to be yet, but where are you going from here? So I have a huge vision. Um, in my vision, I have navigators in all 50 states and they are more integrated in the community than I am because right now I'm a one-man show. I'm at the 30,000 foot view. So I, I don't get too involved into community services like dentists, doctors, uh, churches, any of that. But in my vision, the navigators that I have working for me in the different communities, they're doing all of that. So if a family comes to, when a family comes to special needs navigator and they say, we just got a diagnosis of Down syndrome or Prater Willie or any of the, uh, you know, intellectual developmental disabilities or otherwise, we need help. We don't know where to start. That navigator is going to be able to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. First of all, I want you to stop worrying about anything. We are going to give you a guided tour into the disability space. We are gonna take you by the hand and connect you with everything you need from birth to adulthood. And we're gonna do it when you need to do it. So you don't worry about what your kid needs when they're 18 because they're 12 right now. So let's focus on what you need between the ages of 12 and 14 and ignore everything else because it doesn't matter. We're gonna be here when your child gets to that next stage in life to help you along the way. And just take all that pressure off of parents and let them truly be present with their kids. And their, their, their children with disabilities often have non-disabled peers who sometimes lose out, not out of malice or any of that, but because so, sometimes that disability is all consuming. And you know, so having a navigator who takes all of that off their plate and lets them do it and lets the parents be parents and, and really enjoy the fun stuff too, not just the medical visits, that's part of the vision. I also see having this online repository of courses that you can take. So if you want to do it yourself, there is a, you know, from, from you know, a community college to graduate level education that parents can get because I'm going to build these courses for them. And they're just going to, all they have to do is take these courses. They're going to, you know, you want to learn about social security? I will take you from what is, what is social security? What does it mean to, what the heck is disabled adult child benefit and how does it apply with Medicaid and Medicare? And I'm going to, you know, and all the things in between that's, that's part two. Part three is I'm going to create designations for individuals that want to work in the disability space. They will be special needs navigator certified that they can work with families and give families the answers and results that they need to really help that family move along. And, you know, and it's not going to be financial focused. It's not going to be law focused. It's going to be disability centric. You know, what do you need for you to be successful to help your child with this disability get the resources and services they need while you're, while you're navigating the financial world, while you're navigating the, the legal world? And how can we tie all of that together so it's not such a big hurdle for families? What can we do to bottle all that up and maybe give it to you in one package? So instead of paying $3,000 here, $3,000 there, maybe we find a way to give you a $4,000 package because everybody's working together and everybody wins. 
So, I mean, that's, that's where I see the special needs navigator going. And, event, and then the last piece of that is building a coaching company on the side where I'm helping businesses who want to serve the disability community really be better business owners and put systems and processes in place. So every one of their clients and customers gets a repeated, gets the same experience every single time. So that's, that's my vision. That's awesome. That's so incredible. Um, you know, and uh, I, I'm, as you're speaking, I'm like, all right, we're going to have to connect offline and, and talk a little bit more because I think we can definitely partner in different ways. And if people are hearing this and, and they do want to reach out, like what are some of the best ways that people can connect with you? The best way is going to be on my website. You know, I have uh, from my website, you can get to my email, you get to my YouTube channel, you can listen to my podcast, ABC's The Disability Planning. I do have a DIY set up on, on the website that's going to be, it's, it's not very robust right now. It's going to get bigger. Um, you know, so, but really the, the website is the best big starting point, right? And then from there, we can, we can set up whether you want to have a phone call with me, you know, or whatever. Um, but the, the website is kind of the, the central place to go. Awesome. Awesome. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's so important um, to, uh, again, recognize it and just affirming what you were sharing before with, you know, helping your son become independent, that people shouldn't be doing this on their own. It shouldn't have to be a hodgepodge of trying to find service, right? It's not like we're at a smorgasbord and it's like, um, you know, um, because that's where it gets not only expensive, but inefficient and ineffective um, exactly. and things along those lines. So really do appreciate the work that you guys, uh, that you're doing. Um, Matt, um, any follow-up questions or uh, questions for Eric as we kind of start to wind down here? No, man, just super grateful. We've kept in touch over all these years. Uh, super excited to see uh, where it's taking you so far and, and where you're going. And, uh, and uh, appreciative that you were, um, you know, just so open and authentic and and sharing uh, your story today. So thank you so much, brother. You're welcome, Matt. And I, I appreciate you guys giving me an opportunity to share. And I think this is the first time I've been this open about my vision for the company too. So, you know, I, I, as I'm saying it, I get this twinge, Chris, of, of the imposter syndrome. Like, oh, dude, really? Are you really going to say this out loud? <laughs> No, man, keep preaching it and keep uh, sharing it out loud and uh, love it. And um, for uh, people who are listening to this, and we'll talk about this in the outro, but uh, you can, um, all of your information will be on our show notes. But Eric, uh, just keep getting the word out there and thank you for all that you do. And uh, uh, again, thank you for taking the time to sit down with Matt and I and uh, talk between the miles. Matt, uh, another great conversation with Eric. Uh, you know, what what are you taking away? What 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 laid an impression on you after this conversation with Eric? You know, uh, leading up to the the conversation, right? I, you know, obviously, I had a, a relationship with Eric prior to talking with him today, but I think you could even attest to this. You know, each time you have a conversation with someone, you, you learn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more about them. And even though I knew a lot of his backstory, there were things that I took away today that, um, you know, just continue to uh, kind of, I, you know, maze might not be the right word, but but kind of draw me into, you know, wanting to go deeper in, in our relationship together um, and wanting to find ways to support, you know, this cause that he's on. Definitely, definitely. 
And I appreciated his vulnerability and his willingness to share just everything from the tragedy, the joys, to the hardships, to what he's learning and his passions. And, um, you know, uh, Matt and I were discussing uh, how we just, we want to encourage everyone who's listening to the show, whether you're directly impacted or not, to check out Eric's site. Um, again, it's specialneedsnavigator.us. Um, it'll be in our show notes along with his YouTube channel and his podcast, ABCs of Disability Planning. Um, you know, there is such a huge need out there and we would love um, for you to show your support to Eric uh, because we definitely are cheering um, him on and praying for him in his journey. And so, um, you know, Matt, uh, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's hear it for Eric and, and be thankful uh, that we had that conversation and that experience. All right, so as we close here, if you enjoyed this conversation just as much as we did, we would love for you to share that. And you can do that uh, by sharing it through um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere where this podcast can be heard. And we would love to hear your feedback um, or leave a review, especially a five-star review. And you can do that on those platforms or you can leave us a comment on our website, uh, betweenthemiles.com or shoot us an e email at info at betweenthemiles.com. Com. And of course, you can follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. And if you loved this conversation, uh, again, we hope you love this conversation. Use it as a way to break the ice uh, in a conversation with a friend, family member, neighbor, stranger, um, or just anyone that you've ever wanted to talk to. And again, on behalf of Matt, I'm Chris. We're slowing down, talking to the people around us between the miles. Your hosts, Chris Wesley and Matt Wells. Music provided by Jam Studio Wide Open Road. For more information, visit our website at betweenthemiles.com.